Well, it's great to see everybody here at Cathedral this weekend. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we say that together? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thanks so much for being here wherever you're at on campus, those watching online, a part of our online campus, those around the Bay Area. Thank you for joining with us. You could have done anything this Sunday morning, but you made a decision to come to church and worship God. Let's give it up for Cathedral of Faith. Way to go, Cathedral. That's a way to start off Sunday with a great choice. Uh, we, all this month, we've been thinking about mental health. It is National Mental Health Month, but here at Cathedral, we've been thinking about mental health. In fact, I have my mental health ribbon on because I want to be a champion of mental health. Now, the other reason I have it on is because when it comes to mental health, I need all the help I can get. In fact, I, I saw this one bumper sticker that goes like this. It said, of all the things I've lost, I miss my mind the most. <laughs> I think I should put that on my car. You know, when it comes to your mind and the power of what you think, it's hard to overestimate the impact. I, I read an interview that was done with a sports psychologist by the name of Bob Rotella. And Bob Rotella, he is a coach to athletes and to executives and to artists. In fact, he helped the artist Seal overcome his stage fright. And he believes that if you want to be a high achiever, one of the keys is it starts right here. In fact, the intro to the article goes this way. Sports psychologist Bob Rotella says, the secret to great performances in golf and in the boardroom is in the mind. The power of what you think. The Bible says this about the power of what you think. It says, be careful how you think for your life is shaped by your thoughts. Let me read that again. Be careful about what you think, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. The power of what you think. If you want to change your life in the best kind of way, it starts in here. In fact, there's a word that even if you've never been to church, this is your first time, but You've, you've heard this word somewhere in the culture. Uh, the word is repent. Say that word with me. Repent. Well, when you break that word down, it comes from a first century word, a Greek word, metanoia. And when you break that word down, it breaks down into two words, meta, which means change, and noia, which means mind, when the Bible tells you to repent it's telling you to change the way that you think. And when you start to change the way that you think, it opens the door to all kinds of possibilities. Jesus once said this. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
How about if we get interactive and you just reach out with your hand right here? Can everybody do this? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. More heaven is right here. Can we give God praise? Amen. It's right here. More heaven is right here. All I need to do is repent to begin to change the way that I think, and it opens the door for more heaven to write into my life. Wow, the power of what you think. There's a young lady who's a singer. Her name is Demi Lovato. And Demi Lovato, well, she's had her challenges with mental health. It's very difficult. Let me just say it's very difficult in today's culture to be a public person because with all the social media it's kind of a two-edged sword the, the same thing that can make you super famous is the same technology that can be used like a scorpion to sting you in the worst kind of way and she's had all kinds of challenges from anorexia to bulimia to self-mutilation to addictions and yet, by the grace of God, she's starting to win the battle. She's learning that she's loved by God, that she's made by God, that she's valued by God, that she's beautiful in the sight of God. She hasn't arrived yet. Have any of us arrived yet? But she's on her way. In fact, here's a recent picture of her being baptized in the River Jordan. Can we give God praise? Amen. Isn't that awesome? There's a song that she has called Skyscraper. In just a moment, our creative arts team is going to present that song to you. But after writing the song Skyscraper, this is what she said about that song. She said, this song is so special to me because it's inspired by my journey and the struggles that I've dealt with this past year. I hope people are able to relate to it and realize that they are able to rise above and overcome any obstacle, no matter the circumstances, and shine like a skyscraper. I love that. Rising above, standing tall, and shining like a skyscraper. Win the battle in here. Talk about the difference that it makes. The Bible says, if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and there is peace. Can we take a moment and give God praise for the goodness and the peace and the freedom that we find in Jesus? Now, this week, if we're going to win the battle with our minds, I want to give you three ideas to consider, three suggestions. Listen for the one that jumps out at you. The first one is this, free your mind. Say that with me. Free your mind. Say it one more time. Free your mind. There's a commercial 
where's this little boy, he loves baseball. And he's got his mitt, and he's got his baseballs, and he's on his way to the field. And watch very carefully at what he does. guy that little guy masterfully demonstrated a powerful psychological principle called reframing the situation reframing the situation he thought he was the best hitter in the world but it turns out he was the best pitcher in the world he looked at his situation a new way and gave his situation a new meaning. This is called reframing your situation. And if you learn to do this, you will never be a slave to your circumstances again. Let me say that one more time. If you learn to reframe your situation, you will never be a slave to your circumstances again. When it comes to life, there's so little that we actually do control. Most of life is outside our control. What happens to us today, what happens to us tomorrow, what happens to us the next day, we cannot really control what happens to us. But we can control how we think about what happens to us. And when we learn to reframe our circumstance, to look at it in a new way and to give it a new meaning, this is how we live on top of our circumstances. Here's what I've learned after 38 years of pastoring about circumstances. You can either choose to live under your circumstances or you can shift and choose to live on top of your circumstances. My dad used to put it this way. He used to say, you can live with the world on top of you or you can live on top of the world. Can somebody say amen? How do you do that? It all depends on the way that you frame your circumstances. You can look at it and see a problem, or you can look at it and see a challenge. You can look at it and see a stumbling block, or you can look at it and see a stepping stone. 
You can look at it and see an obstacle, or you can look at it and see an opportunity. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you look at it and give it new meaning, and that's how you live on top of your circumstances. You reframe the situation. One of the best examples of this is a man in the Bible by the name of Paul. Paul found himself in prison. Prison's a bad place to be. It's even a worse place to be when you're in prison for doing the right thing. And that is Paul. He's in prison. And to make matters worse, there are some church leaders outside of prison. They don't like Paul. They're jealous of Paul. And they're using this circumstance to pile on. Boy, if they had Twitter accounts back then, they'd be lighting them up. And so here is Paul in Rome. He wanted to be in Rome, but not in prison. He wanted to be in Rome, but not under the circumstances. And yet, look at how free his mind is. And the way that he frames his situation enables him, even while he's in prison, to live on top of his circumstances. We know what he is thinking because he wrote it down in Philippians chapter 1. Look at what he writes. He writes, dear brothers and sisters, I'm a prisoner and this stinks. I am never preaching again. He didn't really write that. I wrote that. You can see this is the Ken Living version right there, the KLV. But that's one way he could have viewed his situation. I wonder if I was in his circumstance, if that's what I would have written, because that's one way of looking at it. But instead, he reframes it. And look at what he does write. He says, yeah, I'm in prison, but I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. The gospel is going forward, and that is what matters to him. Can we give God praise? That is the way to reframe your situation. And then he goes on. Yeah, I have my critics, and they have bad motives. They really do. But hey, he continues. Here is the important thing. Whether for reasons that are right or wrong, Christ is being preached about. That makes me very glad. Can you believe that? How is he living like that on top of his circumstances? It's the way he has reframed his situation, given his situation a new meaning, and maybe that's where you're at today. You find yourself in a set of circumstances you don't want to be there. But there you are. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control by the grace of God to, well, how you look at what happens to you, how you think about what happens to you. 
And if today you will, by the grace of God, ask God to help you reframe your situation, that God is still with you, that God is still for you, and that God is working all things together for your good and for his glory. Amen. That's how you can live on top of your circumstances. Amen? Boy, so you can free your mind. That's one way to win the battle up here. And the second way is this. Feed your mind. Say that with me. Feed your mind. Say it one more time. Feed your mind. I saw this one comic, and there's this rabbit and a dog. And the rabbit says, don't forget you are what you eat. And the dog says, I need to eat a skinny person. Boy, anybody identify with that? You are what you eat. Would you say that with me? You are what you eat. We've all heard that phrase before. And there's different kind of food groups out there. There's this food group right here. You know, there's donuts and pizza and soda. Uh, we would call this junk food. And then there's this group of food right here. There's, you know, blueberries and avocado and kale. And we would call this group superfoods. And then Harvard Medical even has a group of foods that they say actually does help your brain. Foods like fatty fish and broccoli and coffee. Can somebody say amen to that? Coffee feeds my brain? Well, I'm going to take just a moment and feed my brain right now. I am feeling smarter already. Can somebody say amen to that? You are what you eat. Say that with me. You are what you eat. So here's the question. What have I been feeding my mind. There's a principle called the law of exposure. And the law of exposure basically says this. What you expose your mind to over and 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 over again has a way of influencing the way you think and of course the way you think influences the direction of your life. You are what you eat. What have I continually been exposing my mind to lately? The Rand Corporation. It's not a religious group. It's a secular research group. And they once, once did a study. They wanted to find out about the impact of television viewing on adolescents, especially when it came to behavior and sexuality. And here is what they learned in their study. It said, adolescents who watched the most television with sexual content were twice as likely to initiate sex over the next year as adolescents who watched the least amount of television with sexual content. Translation? You are what you eat. What have I been feeding my mind lately? Am I giving my mind enough superfood? 
What does superfood look like for your mind? Boy, there's great superfood that's out there, everywhere. You can read an inspiring biography. You can listen to uplifting music. You can take a college class at the church. You can watch a movie with a positive message. You can put up an encouraging image where you work. You know, every day on my way to the garage, I see this sign that we have in our house. It reads, dream big, strive for success, love life, seek joy, have hope, follow passion, appreciate, imagine, stay calm, achieve, believe in yourself. There's so much superfood that you can feed your mind, but the best food of all is the word of God. The best food of all is the word of God. Yeah, let's give God praise for his word. We can value the word of God. It's superfood for our mind. Look at what Psalm 1 says about the value of the word. It says, great blessing. Say that with me. Great blessing. Say it again. Great blessings. Not just blessings, but great blessings belong to those who don't listen to evil advice, who don't live like sinners, and who don't join those who make fun of God. Instead, they love the Lord's teachings, and they think about them how often? Day and night. It goes on, so they shall grow what? Strong, like a tree planted by a stream, a tree that produces fruit when it should and has leaves that never fall. Everything they do is what? Successful. Where does success start? It starts by winning the battle in here. If I want to live on the blessed side of town, well, I feed my mind the superfood of the word of God. Can we give God praise one more time for his word? Thank you, God, for your word. Hallelujah. How can we win the battle this week? Free our minds. You know, we can reframe the situation, look at it differently. Give it a new meaning. We can feed our minds. Make sure we're exposing our minds to enough superfood. And then finally, we can renew our minds. Renew your mind. Say that with me. Renew your mind. Look at your neighbor and tell them, renew your mind. Go ahead. Renew your mind. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, Verse 2, it's one of my favorite passages. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. The importance of the mind. I, I saw uh, one picture that I identified with. It said, my brain is like the Bermuda Triangle. Information goes in and then it's never found again. <laughs> what happens to it? You know, on your way out today, every family is going to get a stress ball. But it's a stress ball with a little different twist. It's in the shape of a brain. Now, the brain is one of the most mysterious, 
matchless wonders of God's creation. You know, a few years ago, not, not that many years ago, science believed that the brain was really fixed by the time a person was a teenager. You know, your thought patterns were pretty much fixed. It was permanent. But then the more they developed scans and as neuroscience continued to evolve, they, they realized that the brain is really elastic and that it continues to rewire itself and renew itself. And did you know, now this is going to knock you over, everybody locked in? Are you ready for this? This is going to knock you over. Science has found that when you pray, it actually rewires your brain. Think about that. As people of faith, we know that when we pray, it touches the heart of God. But science has discovered through watching scans that prayer actually has a role in rewiring your brain. One doctor who studied the effects of this, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, in her book, Switch on Your Brain, she says, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent it could be measured on a brain scan. A brain scan. Boy, that when we pray, we know it touches the heart of God. But God also uses it to rewire our brains and renew our minds. I wonder if that's what happened to a man in the Bible by the name of David. David was once in a very difficult set of circumstances and he was suffering from deep depression. I read that young people today are five times more likely to struggle with depression than young people who grew up during the Great Depression. It's an epidemic in our culture. And David, he knew what that was, because he's right there. This great man of God is battling depression. And in the middle of his depression, he starts to pray. Don't go by that too quickly. Because if you've ever been depressed, the last thing you feel like doing is praying. When you're depressed, you don't feel like doing anything. When I'm depressed, the only thing I feel like doing is sitting on the couch and eating ice cream. And then after I finish the ice cream, then I'm even more depressed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But David demonstrates something. By the grace of God, he moves past his mood, and he does something. He begins to pray, and in the course of his conversation with God, things begin to shift. They say that the person who's depressed has about 600 negative thoughts a day. 
The person who's not depressed has about 200 negative thoughts a day. And as David begins to talk to God, those numbers start to shift and his mood starts to change. He talks to God and then he has a talk to himself. Sometimes one of the best things you can do when you're suffering depression is to talk to God and then have a good talk with yourself. Something called self-talk. What have you been saying to yourself lately? After talking to God, David talks to himself and he says, Self, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Would you say that with me? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face and he is my God. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, David, as he starts to pray, he focuses on God and he starts to fill his mind with hope, the hope that he has in God. The circumstances are still there, but God is bigger than his circumstances. And as he fixes his mind on God and fills his mind with hope, chemistry shifts, numbers change, his mood starts to lift, and he begins to win the battle. I know there's at least someone listening to me right now that when you hear it, that sounds so great. The idea of winning the battle sounds so great to you, but it is so far out of reach. It seems like you're way down here, and that is way up there, and you see no way to bridge the gap. And my encouragement to you is to give God something to work with. Give him anything to work with. Cry out to him. Cry to him. If you turn to God and give him something to work with. I saw this little video that a dad posted of a boy who shoots the ball and with his dad's help, watch the screens and you can see it for yourself. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? way out of reach but if I give God something to work with in fact I invite you to what to join me on what I'm calling the 12 minute challenge that for the next eight weeks 
We would give God something to work with every day. We would pray for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks and give God some space to work with so he can rewire our brains and renew our minds. You may be thinking, 12 minutes? Can I have trouble praying for two minutes? What am I going to say for 12 minutes? Here's an idea. Take one of the Psalms. The Psalms are the believer's prayer book. Take one of the Psalms, and that day, pray it over and over and over again until you hit that 12-minute mark. Give God space to work with. A psalm like this, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God, soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He is my God. Pray it over and over again. Give God something to work with. You may blow by 12 minutes and go right to 22 minutes. Join me for this 12-minute challenge. And let's watch what God will do in helping us to win the battle in our minds. Every week, we've been uh, sharing with you a story, someone just like you and me who, who knows what it is to fight the battle. And I want you to hear a story from one of our staff members, Pastor Vaughn, and, and his battle with, with mental health challenges, how God gave him a strategy and gave him victory. And as you hear his story, let hope begin to build in your heart. When you're overwhelmed with pain or overwhelmed with a situation, it, becomes, it can become paralyzing where to, I don't know what to do. And actually, the only thing I want to do is retreat and find comfort elsewhere. Like we, we desire comfort over the pain. And, but I feel that there's even greater comfort, there's greater revelation, there's greater life, and there's greater growth, but it's on the other side of the pain. And it can't be experienced unless you go through the pain. I was reading a book last year called The Obstacle Is The Way, and that became very crucial to me to finding a hope and healing in my own life that was, you know, I, did I want to give up on my job? Did I want to give up on my life? Did I want to throw everything I have away because I, at that moment in time, I didn't feel that I was valuable to anyone. But what was required was not for me to cower away and give up, but it, I had to stand up and fight. And I think that it's through that experience and through that wrestling with the things that bring us fear and standing in front of Goliath, who's taunting at you, calling you names, making fun of you, trying to scare you away. But there's something inside of you as a, as a child of God that can say, look, you may come at me with sword and spear, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And that allow the faith of God to rise up within you, to stand before your Goliath, and to watch God grant you the victory. 
skies are crying I am watching Catching teardrops in my hands Only silence As it's ending Like we never had a chance Do you have to Make me feel like There's nothing left of me You can take everything I have You can break everything I am Like I'm made of glass Like I'm made of paper Go on and try and tell me down I will be rising from the ground Like a skyscraper As the smoke clears, I awaken and untangle you from me. Wouldn't make you feel better to watch me while I bleed. All my windows still are broken, but I'm standing on my feet. You can take it. Beautiful, powerful presentation. Boy, standing tall, shining like a skyscraper. Would you stand with me, please? I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I'd like to pray with you before 
we dismiss everybody. I'm going to invite Pastor Jesselyn and Jolie to come up here with me and Pastor Vaughn and the dancers to join me. We want to link our faith with your faith. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would say, Pastor Ken, boy, I could use some prayer today. You know, one of the things during this sermon just hit me, or there's just been such a battle in my mind, and I could use some prayer. And today, though, by standing up, I'm believing that by the grace of God, I can start to win the battle. And you're making that declaration. Just lift up your hand real high. We want to agree with you real high, wherever you're at. So today's a new day. It's a new start for me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, thank you for your people today. Lord, I pray that they would know that they're loved by you. Lift them up today. Lord, heal hurting hearts. Give them strength and courage. Help us, God, in the days ahead to change the way that we think. We give you space to renew our minds as if we'll change the way we think. More heaven can break in. God, I pray that more heaven breaks into every home, every family. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, all God's people said, amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.